Welcome back, Chelsea fans, as always, to another episode of the Romans Empire podcast. I'm Zach, and I'm joined, as always, by my two co-hosts, Sam and Andres. And uh, we're here to try and dissect uh, that FA Cup final, aren't we, boys? Sam, how you doing? I've been better, man. I have been better. It was uh, rough, rough uh, watching that match. I, I unfortunately had to watch it with one of my one of our friends who's a big Arsenal fan, and uh, I, I, I was hoping after that first Pulisic goal, it was it was going to be a really you know I was really going to enjoy the rest of the match, but he bugged the shit out of me, uh, and it was well warranted, honestly. The Arsenal kind of laid the hammer on us. <laughs> yeah. Andres, what about you, man? How you doing after this weekend? I have calmed down a bit, um, but I had a slightly more pleasant viewing party with an Arsenal friend of mine. Oh, really? He, yeah. A he pleasant was Arsenal not, fan? Well, he was very much on the side of the fact that, yeah, we won and I want to brag about it, but there's an asterisk because of those final 20 minutes. So... <laughs> Even he said that. I think he was just trying to be take the high road because he knew he got the trophy. Yeah, which, that's, which that's, maybe, that's just to your face saying that's what that. Sucks even which, more though. Yeah, as I was about to say, which maybe just made me even more mad. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just glad we didn't record immediately after the match. Yeah, that cool down period was crucial. I think I would have blown out my microphone from screaming if we recorded right after. Uh, but I mean. Why don't we just get into the match? Might as well. Uh, Chelsea lose one two. Uh, let's go through the lineup and initial tactics. Oh, it was it was so hard to say that out loud. You don't even want to say two one, dude. <laughs> for and and the fact that they were already at the most FA Cup titles and then to add this fourteenth one, it was just so irritating. But anyway. Let's get into the lineup and uh, initial tactics as well. So we matched their 3-4-3 lineup. Uh, Willie Caballero once again in goal. Uh, interesting, but really not surprising at all. Um, back three of Dave, Zuma, and Rudiger. Uh, Reese, James, and Alonso uh, as the wing backs. Jorginho and Kovacic, the two main uh, midfielders, and a front three of Mason Mount, Giroud, and Pulisic. So, uh, you know, right off the top, Kepa does not start yet again. Uh, I think it pretty much guarantees that, you know, this is the end of his time at Chelsea, right, Zach? Yeah, I mean, I think I could speak for everybody. We, we've kind of we've we've kind of beat this dead horse before, but um, I hope it's his last. Uh, I hope that was his last game at Chelsea. I don't think Frank has patience to wait on the back line to get better. Um, you know, if the season wasn't a reflection on it, I think the cup final was definitely a reflection on uh, us needing a lot of work defensively. So I think the only way to do that is to go into the market. Andreas, what about you? Time to pull out the wallet once again for goalkeeper, man. The Kepa yeah. project failed. Miserably. And the thing is, like, we gave a lot of shit to Arsenal for, you know, the 70 million pound transfer for Pepe. I think that I would way rather spend seventy million on him than what we did for Kepa. I mean, he he looks to be a bargain compared to Kepa, honestly. And I mean, he had a really good match against us, but I don't want to get too much into it. But uh, apart from the initial lineup, Andreas, uh, I'll start with you. How how did you feel uh, about the initial setup? I mean, I, I've made 
I've not hidden my thoughts about the three four three. I think yeah, that yeah, uh, yeah <laughs> I, I won't get into it, but <laughs> I would have felt more comfortable going into that had Williams started. I thought that I still think that that system needs him in the front three. But again, the four three three in this with this roster has beat Arsenal before. So I don't understand when we switched into a 4-3-3 mid-game against Arsenal and then destroyed them under Arteta in a 3-4-3. Why not do it again? The the 3-4-3, if you're not leading, is never going to create enough opportunity when the other team knows that. Why do you say... Wait, sorry. Why do you say that Williams needed in a 3-4-3? I I think in the 3-4-3, Williams' work rate and the fact that he gets the ball further up the pitch by how we press is is part of why it works and we've seen obviously if we would have gone 343 and William was healthy it would have allowed mount to play in the center of the field alongside kova so in my in perfect 343 i would have liked william to be up front and and i just think that that like it just suits his playing style a little bit more because he's not technically a winger. He's more of an inside forward in that system. So while I hate William in a 4-3-3 where the wingers have to move the ball quickly, in a 3-4-3, he's not standing still on the wings waiting for pressure to come to him. He's always in the front foot doing what he should be and putting that defense under pressure. So that's why 3-4-3 for me, almost has to have Willian in it in one way or another. But, yeah, I mean, I, I want to know what Zach has to say because I know he usually defends this system when I'm always <laughs> against it. So, I mean, Zach, how did you feel about it in the FA Cup final? Um, I, I, completely indifferent. Um, you know, the 3-4-3 three, three, when deployed properly, yes, it does work. But in this match, I mean, there were just there, – there were holes everywhere. Um tactically and systematically so i mean the first noticeable thing is you know when we play a 3-4-3 we attack down the wings um that's our strength getting marcus alonso and reese james to play dangerous balls in the box or make dangerous runs into the box um to uh to create scoring opportunities we didn't do any of that um they were completely inefficient throughout the game you know we deployed a high press um, which forced Reese James and, and, and Marcus Alonso to press them higher up the pitch. But the problem is they were just clipping the ball in over the top in that channel, um, letting Aubameyang and and, um, and Pepe, even Maitland-Niles at times, was getting up, up and down that left-hand side. So that was the first thing I noticed. Um, we cannot be defensively solid in this system if our wing backs are going to be that high up the pitch it worked with antonio conte because conte would keep aspi pinned back and we'd essentially have a back four when alonso would go bombing forward with this system we have a back three um with both fullbacks uh bombing forward and that doesn't bode well when you're going up against the front line um with the quality that you know lacazette and and abameyang have and even guys like you know as much as i hate to say it some kind of touched on it nicola pepe had a really good game against us but those are the types of players that hurt us in this system we were basically matched up 3v3 up. Uh, our three center backs matched up against their three, uh, their front three, which um, you're going to take their front three every single time. Um, the other thing I noticed, you know, Mason Mount was in the front three, and, and normally I don't, I don't mind that. Um, but in a game like this, Mason Mount was needed in the midfield, and Arsenal was focusing on attacking the channels. 
Um, so Mason Mount didn't really get the opportunity to sit in the middle of the field and clog that that central area of the pitch. Um, we saw Ceballos and Shaka pretty much run the show for 70-plus minutes. Um, and lastly, you know, tactically speaking, the high press with the 3-4-3, it does work against certain systems. Um, against a team like Arsenal, though, especially, you know, a, a guy like David Luiz, who, who was, um, you know, uh, breaking our forward line and our forward press, um, you know, by giving the ball to Xhaka and, and Ceballos in the middle of the pitch and letting them dictate, you know, how the rest of the match goes, that was an issue for me. Um, you know, this late into the season, we're already seeing players get a little leggy. I think our injuries have a lot to do with the amount of matches and amount of minutes that these players are asked to be played in such a short period of time. But you have to kind of keep that in mind here. We had a one mil lead. I understand the idea of going for it and getting a second and just kind of, you know, really pinning Arsenal back up against the wall. But the way the game was panning out, the press stopped working about 20 to 25 minutes into the match. Maybe even sooner now, than that. Maybe even sooner than that. And it was about 17 or 18 minutes, the first 17 or 18 minutes that we dominated. After that, it was all Arsenal. Um, and And I think tired legs does have a lot to do with that. But at the same time, it didn't look like there was a plan B whatsoever. You know, it looked like we were just going to try and smother them when they had the ball and then nick a goal or two um, and, 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 and take home the trophy that way. And it just didn't pan out like that. We looked tired. We looked leggy. When we did win the ball, we weren't moving it fast enough. And players were static. I think there's one play in my brain that sticks out that drives me absolutely crazy. And it's probably the most representative of the game as a whole. I thought Kovacic was our best player on a day. If you take Pulisic out of the conversation, um, you know, uh, that first yellow card that Kovacic got picks up the ball in the middle of the pitch, picks his head up, looks around, and our midfield four is completely static, standing still, um, and our full back and our back three was standing still as well. Um, there wasn't an option to play forward. Kovacic got caught on the ball. Jorginho didn't back up into the space so Kovacic could kind of play a release ball and we could reset. And, uh, you know, he winds up giving the ball away in the midfield and, and committing a foul, picking up that yellow. Yeah, that was a yellow card call. But at the same time, that's unacceptable from a coaching standpoint if you're Chelsea and you're Lampard. And he talked about it after the game. We did not move the ball fast enough. And I think with the 3-4-3, it kind of hinders... And it hinders your, the ball movement and the fluidity of the actual match. When we have a 4-3-3, that's probably the most adaptable and dynamic attacking football system out there, which is why we see us dominate matches when we play that system. But with the 3-4-3 like this, I think it's great to deploy it if we're going to sit on a lead or if we're going to plan on hitting teams on the counter. But it does not make sense to me to play this system if we're going to be playing a high press for 90-plus minutes. It just doesn't work. And I think another issue was, you know, man, uh, man marking in open play, uh, just the addition to what you were saying, it really just exposed our back line to those over the top balls. And uh, I mean, we just, it, I, I think I don't want to repeat too much of what you said, but we really did look leggy and this, it, it has a lot, if not everything to do with this congested, uh, congested schedule, you know, our, our battle for top four, we had to play our best 11 every week. Um, you know, Arsenal was able to cruise to a mid-table finish to, uh, to the end of the end of the season, and I think they looked a lot more fresh than us. But um, I mean, even while you guys might have disagreed with the initial setup, 
that really had to be thrown away once the injuries came up, right? Uh, I mean, you, you talked about you know them, them being leggy, uh, both Dave and Pulisic both going down uh, with hamstring injuries. Uh, Zach, I'll start off with you. Did Zach do enough at this point? Did Lampard? Did I say did Zach? <laughs> did Lampard? Yeah. Zach, you're going to be saying that in a few years. I'm getting my coaching badges. Yeah, maybe oh, maybe, uh, no. maybe in FIFA, <laughs> FIFA 22, yeah. FIFA, yeah, there we go. Um, <laughs> no, um, look, his game plan did work, as I said, for the first you know 15 or so minutes. Um, you know, we got the opener and we dominated. And then obviously Arsenal grew into the match and the channels opened up. Um, my issue with the reaction to the match as a whole is a lot of the blame, all of the blame was put on Anthony Taylor for it. But I just, I want to go on record. Regardless of the injuries and regardless of the calls going against us, we didn't do enough to win the game, period. That's number one. Number two, Injuries are all part of the game. Those are the kinds of things that happen. We have five subs, and we have players on the bench that are more than capable of coming into the match and impacting the game, cup final or not. Um, so I'm not buying the excuse of, okay, Pulisic and Aspi go down. Now we're really up against it. We have enough quality in the team to pull off a result here, and the fact that you know, our response wasn't that of us trying to fight back it was almost a response of, 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 of victimization. That was my issue. The mentality dipped for about 10 or 15 minutes or so after Pulisic, uh, after uh, Aspi got hurt. And that's when the game really started to turn. Um, so, you know, the injuries did have a part to play in it if we're talking about momentum. But if we're talking about the result as a whole, I don't buy that. I don't buy this whole, you know, the guy, our best player gets hurt we're not expected to win the game anymore. Nothing changes. It's still a cup final, and we're still trying to win a trophy. We have, we're have we a squad full of, of, of international players and players with pedigree that have won, been there before. So so I'm, I'm just not buying it. But I think the question is, regardless of whether we think the injuries were the reason we lost, is, is the fact that Lampard tactically altered the game correctly to, to get us back to the game. I after the injuries, after yeah, the injuries, like, like I, before or after, like we lose yeah. Aspie, we lose Pulisic. Did Lampard do enough on his end where he can make, like you said, he has five subs to play with? Did he do the right thing? I don't think so. You know, okay. yeah. if, if if you're gonna lose, if you're gonna lose a player like Pulisic, who's gonna be the key cog in that front three, who else is gonna attack for you? You know, especially at that point in the game. We weren't getting anything from Ali Giroud. We weren't getting anything from Mason Mount attacking-wise. Um, our midfield was pretty much useless. Fullbacks, they weren't getting – they were going getting up, but they weren't coming back. I mean, we were in shambles all the way around. So when those injuries happen, I know sometimes managers panic and make panic substitutions, but I think Frank kind of played it safe um, in a sense. They were very much like for like. He brought on – he put Zuma on the right for Aspie, um, or, or brought on Christensen to go in the middle, put Zuma on the right. And then, um, you know, he brought on Pedro for Pulisic, which I understand if you're talking in terms of experience and a guy that's been there and done that before. Um, but is that the kind of player that's going to that's gonna hurt Arsenal in a match like this? No, I don't think so. I thought Callum Hudson-Odoi would have been a lot better suited to it. I thought Ross Barkley should have come onto the pitch a lot earlier than he actually did. Um, Thank you. Know, you. Th there's... There's <laughs> look at that point, Sam. I mean, we needed anything. We mm -hmm. needed anything, 
and 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 we just we got like for like subs um and you know when those subs did happen i i got kind of down on myself in a way because it wasn't working before that so bringing on zuma it's not going to improve the way that we're building out of the back. It's not necessarily going to improve our defending as a whole because we lost our best defender, to, right? So it, it just didn't make sense to me. The like-for-like like subs definitely, definitely rubbed me the wrong way. But Andres, yeah. um, I was So based on our notes, I was ready to come fight you because you were going to say that Lampard wasn't going to be at fault here. But yeah. I, I get that in the first half, Aspie goes down. You don't want to cause too many shifts at that point because i believe the water break had already happened so fine yeah. you bring in christensen finish the first half three four three we were at a deadlock at that point one one arsenal still the far better team this is where i think lampard should have just thought a little bit harder about what was going on in the game because and, and i totally understand that we came in the second half and pulisic in the first five minutes had that amazing run and unfortunately ended in an injury and we looked better for like five seconds. But if Lampard has the balls to switch a complete system 20 minutes into a match against this same exact arsenal into a 4-3-3 and have it pay off immensely, why not do that after a 15-minute conversation with your team? At this point, you take out, um, you take out Rudiger. And you switch to a back four of Alonso, Christians, and Zuma, Reese. For Rudiger, you bring on uh, Cho, per se. Mm -hmm. And now you have a 4-3-3 with Jorginho at the base, Kova, Mount, wanted, yeah. and Pulisic, Giroud, Cho. 4-3-3. We just talked about it. They were playing down the flanks with extremely aggressive wingbacks. If you have two true wingers spreading out that very also very weak back three of Arsenal, that's where you cause the headaches. Screw build up and screw playing through the midfield. Just get it out to Pulisic and Cho, who take up that wide space, and they'll thrive against slow, bulky center backs. Mount will help Jorginho. Mount and Kovacic can split the workload. Mm -hmm. Hell, if Kovacic would have had a little bit more help, those dumb fouls don't happen. And, yeah. and even though we'll get to Anthony Taylor, even though it was it probably wasn't a red card worthy second yellow, it still was a consecutive dumb fouls that led to that. Yeah. And and Pedro, my God, like, has he ever been less wide as a winger than this Saturday, this this past weekend? He was way too central, provided nothing going forward. There was a, even a chance where he had a moment. Pedro, who is a fantastic left foot. He gets the ball slightly to the left uh, of the semicircle in the box. Could have taken a touch to the left when um, their keeper was way out of position and shot it with his left foot, but instead com comes to a complete halt and tries to force the ball back to his right foot. It was just, uh, it was just frustrating because I really do believe a four-three-three would have gave it, given Arsenal, who also doesn't have a plan B, mind yeah. that a lot more of a problem. And I just think it's ridiculous that Lampard waited until after the red card. I think it was after the red card and 10 minutes of game time with 10 men to finally make the triple substitution that included Cho and Barkley. I, yeah. I, I was very disappointed with that. And again, it is hindsight 2020 and all, but from halftime, I was like, please come out in a four, three, three. I think the please. subs happened like five minutes after the red. But just like a recap, going into half, because this is what Andreas was talking about, 
Um, this was we were tied one one. So I know earlier, Andres, you were saying how you know three four three is better when you're up early, but going into half we were we were tied and and right. also at this time Pulisic was not hurt. He got hurt early in the second half. So. I mean, I mean, I mean yeah. sorry to cut you off, oh, Sam, but, but, but I think we're all, like, agreeing on the same thing here. The reason why this game as a whole was so frustrating was because Arsenal were there for the taking, and we knew that going in. And the fact that, the fact that we put out a performance like we did and set out the way we did is, is, is a disappointing part, more than anything. Yeah, this was a very bad game of football. Like, it was awful. Uh-huh. There was... It, Look, it would be so much less frustrating if Arsenal just kicked our ass. But that wasn't the case. That wasn't the case at all. Both teams were complete garbage. And we had – it's just one of those things where, like, ah, like we've, we've seen the 4-3-3. Yes, we're tired legs and all that, but we have five subs. And, like, everyone agrees that the better teams – hell, our bench compared to Arsenal's bench. Like, for, like if you want to match those up. Our subs would have just torn them to shreds. I just, yeah. Frustrating that Lampard wanted to stick to the 3-4-3 guns when, again, the, the paper, numbers don't lie. And and I went into those details before on the podcast. It's just, we've seen it before. All right. I think uh, a discussion of this match would not be complete without uh, talking about the 12th man on the pitch for Arsenal, Mr. Anthony Taylor. Uh, first off, fuck you, Anthony Taylor, you gooner fuck. I mean, I heard so <laughs> many Arsenal fans say, finally, this guy hates us. I mean, I saw this stat, and I've been looking for it during this podcast, but I can't find it. But it was, like, within the last decade. Uh, I have it. I have it. it, it. I'll, I'll get it, it. It's the point differential of, right, of us yes. versus – Okay, yeah. So uh, these matches that – First of all, the last three cup final matches that he's refed was this one, uh, the last FA Cup final I mean, matchup against us two where uh, he sent Victor Moses off with the bullshit red. And uh, I think it was the the 2015-16 uh, Community Shield where Arsenal won as well. Uh, so, I mean, I'm seeing a little bit of correlation. And, uh, I mean, it, it's it's... It was frustrating. It was frustrating as hell. And I hate being the guy that complains about officiating. And I think Zach mentioned it earlier, and I think Andreas will probably agree with this, that I'm not going to blame the refs. I'm not going to blame Anthony Taylor for the loss because we were outplayed. But, man, it was just really frustrating to see every single – I mean, I think going into halftime – we had zero fouls on us, zero free kicks, and they had like seven or eight. Um, yeah. So it, it, we didn't it, win one. We didn't win one foul the whole entire first half. I mean, it, it was evident from then, and it just got worse and worse. With, you know, obviously the Kova, the double, the second yellow red, um, and then not even reviewing uh, when uh, the keeper went out of the box to grab the ball. I mean, it was really suspect. ESPN Plus didn't even show a replay of that. They never showed yeah. a replay of it. Nope. And I'm just screaming like, "What? What is going on? How can they not show that? That's that's got to be the most controversial no call I've ever seen." I, I, obviously, I think I, I saw some pictures, some screenshots where it looked like he grabbed it outside of the line, and then I saw a BBC post 
a clip of them, you know, of it with, with looking like he grabbed it right it was, while it was on the line. BBC is not to be trusted, I guess. So <laughs> I just, I, I don't know. Andreas, usually you avoid speaking about the refs, but you have to have something about this guy, right? <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I mean, yeah, again, we all agree we would have lost this game regardless. But before I get into Anthony Taylor, we've been talking about a lack of leadership for a while. And this game needed an imposing captain, a vocal, hard-nosed captain to go up to Anthony Taylor and just earn a yellow for bitching him out. Because you guys mentioned no fouls in the first half. We didn't get a foul until the 70th minute. And the game ended with 14 fouls against us and two our way. That is unbelievable. Like I I Watching the match, it. it should have been outnumbered, but not by that much. Exactly. It should have been closer because Arsenal was doing just as much roughhousing as we were doing. I mean, it's a final. But, yeah, I, I – God, if we just – like, John Terry in his freaking Instagram was like, this ref is a complete idiot. And if you go back and look at up pictures, John Terry's the first guy to be, like, millimeters close from headbutting a referee to give him a piece of his mind. And sometimes referees need that. If you're going to let the ref continue to just – call bullshit against you it's gonna continue and yes Aspie was hurt not on the pitch but Jesus Christ like at one point we had the Bollocks Drogba Ashley Cole Lampard like half the team would have been on this ref's case um so yeah that the fact that we don't have that was really obnoxious but back to Anthony Taylor I mean within this season this guy has already had questionable calls to say the least I mean Maguire nut checks Mishi, goes into VAR. We don't get a card there. And then earlier in the season, or maybe it was right afterwards, we play Tottenham. Freaking whoever Yoriz's backup is comes out in like a kung fu kick, hits Alonzo, yeah, and man. Alonzo gets the initial foul call. Wait, until that's Anthony it Taylor too? VAR. That, was, that Anthony... was also Anthony Taylor. Oh, yeah, so that's is he, twice this season. He must be from the to, north. I, I don't know bro, where he's from, I mean, but that know, bias but is real. It has yeah, it's it, real. I don't Kovic's second foul. Kovic got stepped on by Xhaka, and then Xhaka falls because he kicks the tur like the ground. Like Christ, like go into the vault. Like even VAR looked at it and like, how did they not overturn it? I mean, they overturned one of his calls before. Like it's it's ridiculous. And, and Zom, you mentioned the last decade stats zach before i pass it on to you so it, it shows uh wins per match overall in the last decade or points per match sorry arsenal is at 1.86 chelsea is at 1.94 now if we go into anthony taylor's matches for these clubs in the last decade arsenal is at 1.94 which is an increase of almost a whole point per match while chelsea is down to one point or sorry, 0.1 increase, uh, while Chelsea is down to 1.71. So Arsenal's matches are improved by 4%, while we have worse results by 11%. And out of 73 losses in the last decade, Anthony Taylor has refereed 11 of them. Yeah. Like, so, like, I don't know is... if those numbers necessarily jump out. I thought it was worse because they use, he uses color coding. <laughs> I don't think I looked at the numbers, but I mean, uh, all right. obviously, I... you look at United. United literally improves by a whole point. But oh, the yeah, point you can look is... at any ref and get that number from them. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but the point that like 
we talked about the last three finals. The three last domestic finals have been Chelsea Arsenal. And we've had a call or something to complain about this guy. Within this season, this is the third match where something egregious goes against us. Luckily, VAR fixes one of them. But, I mean, when things like this happen, Chelsea is an organization. Somebody has to reach out to the FA. I mean, it's beyond obvious. Like, Zach, like, I, I mean, I'm sure you have something to add. Yeah. Um, I think Lampard hit the nail right on the head after the match. He was asked about VAR, and like, and, and, and he was really quick to say, like, first and foremost, we didn't deserve to win. But it's it's ridiculous how every it seems like every other call could be reviewed by VAR um, besides overturning a yellow. And, and and how that's not being reviewed is 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 beyond me. And if you're the FA, you're looking at this and you're saying, okay, you're sending a player off with 20 minutes to go in a cup final. Controversially, you're essentially throwing the game away at that point, which which happened. The proof is in the pudding. That part just goes completely beyond me. Um, you know, I think, and, and, and I am going to mention the MLS here, I think they've done the perfect job at communicating the VAR decision-making to the fan or to the viewer. What the MLS has is, if there's a VAR call, the referee gets called to the side to the side monitor, and while he's looking at the side monitor, the audio is 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 being fed to the viewer of what the ref and the VAR are talking about. Okay, is this the kick point of like for example, they were reviewing an offside call in the LAFC game last week, and are saying, okay, this is the kick point. Center ref goes, okay, and VAR says, here's the second the ball gets released from the player's foot. You could see that so-and-so's hand is this much further than the other players. Okay, okay, job done, referee. I'm, I'm going to overturn the decision. Goes to the middle of the pitch. In 30 seconds, the decision's overturned. Now, that doesn't kill the flow of the game. Now, I don't think Anthony Taylor has a fear of, 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 of slowing the game down. I think Anthony Taylor just has a fucking big-ass ego because he's some wanker cunt that thinks he's above everyone else. <laughs> but but oh, the fact yeah. that he's not using VAR in a situation like this is stupid. But if you had a system in place similar to the MLS where it's being communicated to the viewer and we know exactly what's going on, what's being looked at, and what the logic is and the rationale is behind that decision-making, we would be seeing a lot of these VAR calls and we would be seeing a lot of these referees go to the monitor more. So they're, because, they're showing they're – showing... Because now there's an expectation for the viewer, okay – if this is if this is even sniffs of a, of a reviewable play, we're gonna know exactly what's going on and exactly what the referee and the bar are gonna be looking at. They, but the they, problem wait, with they the expressly, FA is that they don't have a system like Zach, that. Zach, they expressly like discuss that on the broadcast. Like they show they what they're they saying. Do. You could find videos on YouTube. The center ref goes to the side monitor and and he's mic'd up to the VAR and they're talking to each other and you could hear everything. And like uh -huh. for that offside call, the VAR was telling them, okay, I'm gonna pause the screen here. This is the kick point. And then I'm gonna fast forward slowly, this many frames per second, and then they go, they they view the they, they view that replay once, and the referee and the center ref will go, okay, take it back a little bit, okay, push it forward a little bit. See okay, the MLS? it was the first pass that was offside. Okay, we yeah. missed the first pass. So he goes to the middle of the field and 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 waves a goal off because you know the first pass was offside. <laughs> In a situation like this, where it's where it's a call that could go either way. It needs to be reviewed. It's that simple. I think any football right. fan is going to sit here and agree with that. I mean, I'm taking 10 seconds. In, I'm taking 10 seconds to watch place, it on on replay at home 
to decide that it's not a foul. You know, like they're showing on the broadcast the replay, and I know instantaneously that wasn't a foul. How long could but it the possibly thing is, take on VAR? He didn't even go to VAR exactly, to begin with. For sure. And, and that's the thing. If you're not going to VAR, you're telling everybody one thing. I got the call 100% right. I was standing right here. <laughs> and if you look at <laughs> the replay, ego. Kovacic doesn't even trip Jaka. Jaka just kind of trips over himself because he stepped, he's some. He stepped on Kova's foot. <laughs> yeah, it, it, was, it was almost the other <laughs> way around. So, like, was. yes. Yes, I understand, you know, you giving that call in the normal pace of the game because in real time it did look like Kovacic caught him. But you have to look at that through VAR. In a cup final with 20 minutes to go, you know, it's a one – what was it? A one-goal game at that point? Yeah, Arsenal just scored. Uh-huh. So it was a it, it was a 2-1 game. Chelsea are going to go for it. Why is that not being reviewed? I just feel like if there was a system in place similar to the MLS where where – Fans are being educated on the VAR process, and 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 every single controversial call is going to VAR. The the the, the center refs in MLS aren't saying no fuck you. I got the call right. It's o- this is only happening in England because if you look oh, at other. But- but England created the game of football, and their referees can't be wrong, Zach. Do you really <laughs> think they're going to admit to that? Like, It's absolutely already, beyond me, man. It is beyond me. They already got shat on by FIFA by not allowing any English refs in the World Cup. Like, Doing this would be the, the final nail in the coffin for the FA to completely admit that the referees are below par in this league. The most viewed and competitive league, I could argue, in the world. Like, Unreal. I do love that MLS thing you're talking about, though. Man, that would be great to hear these guys be like, oh, shit, I got it wrong. It was honestly, even though the quality of the MLS is nowhere near European football yet, um, the the quality of the referees and the way that their decision-making is being communicated to us is like everybody needs to look at that and kind of rip a page out of their book. Because none of the calls, all of these games that have crazy scorelines and crazy upsets and last-minute goals and controversial decisions, none of them are being talked about because they're getting them right. You know, if you're going to implement something like VAR into the game of football, then you better use it every chance that you can to make the game as perfect as possible. Otherwise, don't fucking bring it around the game at all. It was useless in this game. And I think FA would have a, a, high, a really big incentive to do something like that. I mean... Something to legitimize, like, you know, like you said, no one's talking about the decisions made, you know, you don't want that kind of conversation happening. After the match, you don't want people to be talking about the legitimacy of your organization, whether the match was fixed, like, that's not what you want. You want people to be talking about the match and, you know, like, and I think it's just, it would be better for them to have something like that, but... Uh, I think a lot of it has to do with ego and they don't want to embarrass the refs probably. I think it's a lot of protecting the refs. Uh, I mean, I, it, it, it's it's the same referees making the same mistakes time and time again. So yeah, like why are why are these guys not being relegated to the championship or <laughs> or, or, or league one or, or being assigned to you know like like community shield matches as opposed to being assigned FA Cup finals when they've proven to to lo- to completely lose control of, of of almost every other match that he's officiated for us this season, like it, it it's crazy to me. Even with the Batshuayi thing, he went to VAR and looked into the monitor and still thought he was right. The guy gets the guy gets studs to the balls six feet out of bounds, 
and nothing happens. And like, I, I'm not gonna, I'm, I'm not sitting here and dwelling on it, but it's, it, it's ruining the game. And and in this situation, we talked about a shit game of football. You know, it, it was in part because of the ref. It was. Now, the whole result wasn't because of the ref, but the fact that it was a shit game of football to watch, an FA Cup final, we waited all year to watch a match like this, for it to be officiated that poorly, and for both fan bases to even admit it to, that's that's the even more embarrassing thing. Arsenal fans should really be going around and saying, oh, stop bitching, shut your mouth, when right. every single Arsenal fan, me and you know some, is saying, like, that, that, was, that was a shit show. But, you know, I think at this... What do, what do you guys think about that... Uh... The second Alba goal with uh, Ceballos, like, trip, like, pretty much going for a tackle. I don't know what happened, why he fell down and just kneeing Andreas Christensen in the back that led up to it. Uh, I mean, I think, I think uh, JT also tweeted about that, saying how come that one got, didn't get reviewed. I mean, look, every goal is supposedly reviewed and, and that's not brought up. I I, I don't know. I, I hate to be the guy who, would like point to that and say, look, that shouldn't have been, uh, you know, that, that, that shouldn't have been a goal because Ceballos, you know, like ten, 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. What do you guys think? Andre? I, I think so. So here's the thing again, VAR does that weird thing, right? So he misses it at first. Cause he's looking at the ball. Let's say the yeah. ball's moving quickly. He misses it, but we saw a VAR call go against us against Liverpool very early in the season when I think it was a buildup of like Mount Aspie and somebody else. They were passing the ball around the box, like pass, 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 cross goal. And they were like checking back for offside. Oh, yeah. And the scorer wasn't offside, but they went back like eight seconds and found that there was another offside in the play. How come <laughs> they didn't go back and rewind enough to see that Christensen got rugby tackled like dude yeah sometimes there's contact but last time i checked if i completely launch a dude into the ground even though i was trying to slow down it's a foul like it's a foul he got he got ball because he slid in or he was on the process of like kind of reaching for it and then got trampled afterwards let's just put it this way he would have been an extra body around the box area had he not gotten trampled and potentially could have stopped Aubameyang. So yeah, it's what a foul, obstruction, whatever you want to call it. Like you, if it's just like Zach said, the MLS's version, you know what they're discussing and what the VR is telling him to watch. Like this is all so subjective. Like again, let's say there is a bias against Chelsea. We, you can keep re- rewinding till you find something that was wrong in that buildup or vice versa. Let's keep rewinding till we see somebody tug on a jersey like come on man and this was the immediate lead up to the goal i mean it's right. not, not having to go back 10 seconds it's what Three led up to it off. zach what about you i didn't lose too much sleep over that one uh, yeah i think my, so too. My, my, my thing is is i'm i would love to see the referees get interviewed after the match yes if you're not gonna, if you're not gonna tell us the logic behind the decision making, you know, after the match, if the organ, if the, you know, whoever the governing body is for the referee, the PG, MOL, or whatever they're called, if they're not gonna come out and say, listen, you know, X, Y, and Z were called incorrectly in this match, we put our hands up. That's one thing, but the fact that nobody's saying anything, the ref's not saying anything, and the PG, MOL's not saying anything, so. 
who's going to be held accountable for the decision making in these games? Nobody's putting their hand up and saying, yeah, you know what? We got this call wrong and we got this call wrong. You know, you, a written report. you, you see like an interview. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't even need to be an interview. It could be anything written. You see the NBA do this all the time. When referees blow a call at the end of a game within minutes, the, the referee association is sending out a tweet saying, you know, after reviewing so-and-so, this was a bad, bad call. We hold our hand up. They do and a last two minute. Effect. They do a last two minute report for every match. I mean, for every game, yeah. to, and to yeah. go over so, every possible foul and whether it was a correct non call, incorrect non call, correct call, incorrect call. Yeah. I mean, so and and, and, yeah, and we can and we can compare. You know, like there's criticisms of NBA referees as there is in any sport. I mean, it's just part of being a referee. But the the, the NBA officials are held to such a high standard, and that's why you don't see that many mistakes as often as you do in soccer. They're not held – there's no accountability whatsoever, and I think that's the, the root of the problem. I don't think the root of the problem is VAR at all. I think it's an addition to the game, and you know, it, if it's used properly like the MLS does, then great. It works. You know, There's been calls made for and against LAFC that when I've been watching a game, for and against us. But I don't complain about any of them because they're being communicated. You know, the it, we're not talking about what do you think. We're talking about this is offside based on the rule of the game, or this is a foul based on the rule of the game. It, that's that's where it, that's where this whole thing kind of loses me. Is you know these referees can have those conversations. They know the laws of the game like the back <laughs> of their hand. Man. So if they go over there and they're discussing the laws of the game, we have we as fans. Therefore, have nothing to complain about because we could see that this was a foul or this was an offside in the buildup or, you know, so-and-so got tripped here or whatever, whatever it might be. It's it's a shambles. It's really a shambles. And Anthony Taylor is such a prick. I'm sure he loves being the talking point of the match, to be honest. Like, you know, like how are you supposed to know a ref's name unless he he's a controversial? Uh, I don't know if there, you guys have any final points on the match. No, but that's actually a very factual statement yeah. now that I think about it. I think the only referees that we do know are the ones that suck. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> they they have a reason to be remembered. <laughs> Hashtag bring back Mark Clattenburg. <laughs> whatever, what, whatever Dubai is paying him, we'll, we'll double, double. <laughs> For real. Uh, all right. So let's get into our next segment. Cue the Swedish national anthem because it's time for quick thoughts with Nick Lenartson. All right, right hand over heart, boys, <laughs> or however they do it there. Uh, so obviously every week Nick Lenartson sends us his thoughts. He loves to hear his the, the na- his name being repeated. Much in our like podcast. Anthony Taylor. Yeah, see, yeah. Nick Lenartson, you're very very similar to Anthony Taylor. Because you're, you're a huge pain in my ass, so <laughs> just kidding. I love you. Uh, all right, let's starting off with this first quick thought. It's very worrying with all the hamstring injuries. I'm, I'm right there with you, Nick. Zach brought it up earlier, and like I think last season, suspicious training. Uh, we see too many hamstring injuries. What's going on with our medical staff? A big overhauling is needed. That I don't know what he's talking about. Probably defense. Uh, I'm with you. And Golo Conte on our midfield is crucial. It, we, we don't have anyone to stabilize that defense in the midfield, and I think that's why a lot of people are all in favor of Declan Rice. He could come in, be a backup midfielder, and then Golo Conte just constantly being injured. 
J5 and Keppa will not be in future plans. I personally actually thought Jorginho had a decent match. He really controlled the midfield. Uh, he was, you know, he he played his maestro role very well. And then he just says, "We need a new goal." Those are those are your thoughts. I know. I'm just adding on to them. But <laughs> new goalkeeper. I just want to put it on record that those are your you and Nick Lenartson's thoughts, not yeah not mine. And his okay. final thought: new goalkeeper, <laughs> new center back, and left back. Where we where will we end up? Top three. Come on, Nick. If not number one, I mean, did you guys? <laughs> I thought it made some pretty solid points in response to Nick. What did you guys think? <laughs> Jorginho okay. did not have a good game. You don't think Jorginho yeah. had a bad good game? Sam Jorginho was Som, pressing their back know. three in their own eighteen Ooh. at one point in the I first think, half, and I, I, I think, wanted to uh, pull my hair out. Lampard made a very like post-match interview comment about people playing five-yard passes when they should be switching the point of attack and i think it was very much talking about <laughs> the only person in the Damn. team that plays oh my god passes. yeah so i'm gonna i'm gonna let you take the heat on this one <laughs> no, cool. i'll take it I, I like it i'm like i'm like anthony taylor i like being controversial all right uh no no real news upcoming this week the only thing uh that was to be reported is that william turned down the two-year deal that we had offered him um, and reportedly he's in talks with Arsenal. It, it, it you know, his agent is uh, Kia Jaropchian. Uh, he's a gooner at heart. Everyone knows that. Uh, but it's, it's very possible. They're trying to put pressure on Chelsea and make it seem like he's doing it. But I, I, I think that is going to be futile. I don't think there's any reason for ours, for Chelsea to offer him a three year deal. I mean, we, yeah. we're, 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 we're set on the wings. If William wants to go to Arsenal for three years plus uh, plus one, I hope he leads them uh, to uh, Europa League glory because that's that's what they're getting with this FA Cup championship. But uh, anything you guys wanted to add on the William front, Andreas, your 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 favorite, most hated <laughs> but most loved player. So long, farewell, I'll be <laughs> saying goodbye. Yeah. Oh man, see, William, you're asking for a lot for three years, bud. I don't know. I I'm always gonna have love for William, um, but I I said that about David Luiz, and he went to Arsenal, and I don't have any love for him anymore. Except for last different. Stuff, that was different though. <laughs> Luis Luis had a contract, and he just didn't want to like fight for a start. I understand it's business. I get that. I understand it, but. For you to go to Arsenal, I mean, he's got his restaurant in North London. His family likes it. I yeah. I see this like I see this a little bit more like Peter Check leaving. It's time to go. If you believe that you can get minutes, which by the way, at Arsenal he will get minutes and he no, will. No, but start Peter Check had a wing. clause in his Arsenal contract to let us score in the Europa League final. <laughs> well, so did David Luiz's. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, David Luiz wait. didn't have shit in his contract. Just, just wait for William to miss a bunch of shots in front of the net when they play us. Yeah. Or hit the the front man in every corner kick. It, it's going to be part of his contract too. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you guys know who uh, David Luiz's agent is too, right? Same guy, right? Yeah. Kia, yeah. Kia He's He's the pride of Iran. <laughs> but, uh... Arsenal, Arsenal loves giving old guys long contracts that they get stuck with. Them offering three years with a fourth option, if the rumors are true, typical Arsenal. Yeah. No, not just that. Like, let's go back to our mm -hmm. team. Like, look, 
Willian has never contributed to double-digit goals by himself in a single Premier League season. Even in the madness that Cho has gone through this year, I believe if he gets the amount of minutes that Willian got this season, he would get to double-digit goals in his first season getting that many minutes. So that's already an increase in production in my book. All right, let's move on to the Twitter questions. All right, starting off, uh, and before we get into to this question, this is from Kirill's Medvedev, and he is officially my new favorite follower and listener. Shout out to Kirill's. He is our first supporter on Anchor. We opened up our email uh, today. Uh, looks like a couple days ago we got an email from Team Anchor saying that we have our first supporter, Kirill's Medvedev, uh, for 99 cents a month. Come on, that's, 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 shout that's... out. Major shout out alert. I think I think Ron uh, needs to do the honors. It's an immediate immediate knighting into the Rep Ultras. I don't know why he wasn't in it before. He's one of my favorite followers from even before then. <laughs> you know all the sappy well, stuff he wrote for us last week. That well, should have been know, an automatic bid. Well, we know he's listening to this show. So once he hears this, um, he should. Uh, we should definitely reach out. Hey, if we'll get him in that Discord chat. If you're Russian, privet. That means hello in Russian. I learned that when I went to Russia. <laughs> wow, very uh, nice. Yeah. I, I know one other word in Russian, but it's not did, a good did word. You, did you learn uh, Russian uh, when the Golovin rumors were coming around? <laughs> no, when I was uh, in Russia for the World Cup, I learned a lot. Ah. It was, it, uh, uh, it's uh, privet and then suka. Suka means bitch. So if anyone was, was worried... <laughs> Or concerned what that meant, but uh, uh, he asks, where does Kova fit into Frank's team uh, next season? Assuming we re- we revert to a four three three, which Frank seems to prefer, having two goal scoring threats. So he lists Mount, RLC, Havertz, and Ross Barkley. Thank you, by the way, for listing Ross <laughs> Barkley as a goal scoring threat, uh, plus an anchor. So while Kova's had a great season, he isn't quite suited for either of those roles. Andreas, I'm gonna start off with you, head of the Kova crew. Yeah, where for do you sure. see where do you see Kovacic next year? I mean, I think that yeah, Kovacic isn't the type of guy to run into your inside of the op- opponent's 18, and that's just kind of his nature. We've never seen him at the six. I mean, Zach has alluded to that before. I don't know mm-hmm. exactly why, because if you put him perhaps with uh, two attacking eights, that could be a very fluid midfield. And, I mean, again, we looked solid this weekend. Kova's not afraid to put in a tackle. He's not afraid of tracking back. I mean, I don't see why he couldn't play in that role. So He, seem, he seems pretty ready-made for it, right? Like, his, uh, his transitioning from defense to attack, but also, I mean, he only plays about 75 or 80 minutes anyways. So that at that point, it would be the perfect opportunity to bring in a guy like, you know, Billy Gilmore, if you want to slow the game down or like a, 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 a an Ethan Ampadu possibly, or a Declan right. Rice type of guy, like Sam was saying, where he could just kind of come in and make things ugly for 10 minutes and just keep a clean sheet. It, yeah. Or if we don't want to just be guns blazing two attacking eights, I mean, you put him at an eight to be a bit of a hybrid. So yeah. I still think he's going to play plenty of minutes. I don't know at what point he loses that starting role though. If the attacking eights start just balling out, I mean, I think Mount has secured his starting place for next season in that four-three-three, and I mean, we saw what we look like without Conte. So I think those are your two 
nailed on starters. If we sign Kai Havertz, you assume he gets the the push ahead of Kovacic. But yeah, I mean, I, I think that he'll still get plenty of chances both as an eight and hopefully, I mean, why not? Again, not sure why, but why not as a six as, a six as well? Yeah. Uh, it's funny you brought up uh, Anthony Ampadu. Uh, I'm, I'm actually, I'm sorry, I skipped uh, a question, but we'll go to this question first. This one's from Kurt Lear uh, at Vigil Bruin on Twitter. I think this is a first-time question, so how are you doing, Kurt? He asks, what do you think of Ampadu's future? Leipzig, the, the Leipzig loan was a waste. The times I've seen him play, and he looks great at center back. Great anticipation and feel for the game. Well, I, for me, I, the only match I caught was the it was the Tottenham matchup this year, so and he, yeah, and he had a masterclass <clears throat> that match. Uh, but I think that was the one that really <laughs> stood out the most, obviously. Um, Zach, what, what what do you think about bringing in Ampadu? And I think he's the one. I think he's the one youngster that um, that uh, Chelsea fans seem to forget about. Um, but if you're looking at his credentials and what he's achieved so far, I mean, he's already um, you know a favorite of uh, Ryan Giggs in the Welsh national team. And he's already put in good performances on the international level when he's, when he was at Chelsea two seasons ago. Yeah. I mean, he's, he, he did a good job. I love his grit. I like the fact that he goes into tackles um, with this insane amount of aggression. It's kind of old school. Um, but, but looking forward, I would like to see him in a squad next season. I think we're missing a player like him. You know, he's the kind of guy that comes on late in games and 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 cracks somebody and sends messages. And and we're kind of missing that sort of bully character, um, whether it be in the midfield or in our back line. And uh, you know, it's just another reason why to, it's just another reason to have him in the squad. Is you know, we've seen him play right back for us. He's played center back for Leipzig, and we know he could play as a holding mid, which he's done for Wales. So I'd like to see him back here. Um, but at the same time, you know, he didn't play much last season, so I won't be surprised if he goes out on loan to another Premier League club. Yeah, I, I think Lampard's change to a traditional DM with floating attacking eights is only playing into Ampadu's potential return for good. The fact that also our center back situation is not fully figured out as well. And I mean, yeah, Zach mentioned it. He's an international at Wales. And I remember in those matches that I have seen him as a DM, like he has both ends of, of what we want, right? The guy that's going to put in the tackle and protect that back line, but he's also got a, an eye for a pass. So again, let's say we, we do get Declan Rice, but he's just going to be a center back or 90% of the time as a center back. Yes. Billy Gilmore has been played at the six, but if we want a physical presence, should Conte get injured or need a rest, that's where Ampadu can come in. I think he realistically is the only low knee that has a chance of coming back for next season. All right, let's move on to the next question. This one's from Bobby uh, at Bobby Toddy. What's up, Bobby? He asks, what's the best available player that we haven't been linked with yet? Uh, Andreas, I'll start off with you. David Oliver. I'll say his name every single week <laughs> until I can speak this into existence. I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it. I just don't get it. Well, he's it, right there. If we're talking about it in our pod, then he's officially linked with them, right? So, <laughs> according to that <laughs> one of our listeners who thinks we're insiders, sure. But hey, you tweeted an inside tweet today. Top four, top four <laughs> left back 
linked with Chelsea. It's yeah, that's a, the easiest the easiest headline to write as a journalist right now. <laughs> Chelsea yeah. linked with insert top four team left back. <laughs> All right, Zach, what about you? Best available player that we haven't been linked with? Well, I've seen this guy being linked with Manchester City, and I know that he's available. Um, otherwise, his names wouldn't be out there. It's Milan Skriniar. I think... Uh, you know, for a similar price that we would probably get Koulibaly for, it doesn't make sense why we wouldn't go after him, especially at, at his age. Um, you know, he's he's a vocal leader in the back. He's absolutely huge. And if you look at his defensive numbers um, one v in 1v1 situations, the guy's ridiculous. He's exactly what we're missing. So um, I know Man City's been linked with him as they, they have been linked Ake, with though. everyone else. Or they're about they just to got Ake. They just got Ferran Torres. They just paid a $10 million fine for not cheating, and they went out and already spent $70 million in the market. Um, <laughs> I... And they're still being linked with Koulibaly somehow and Skriniar. So was... uh, don't get me started on Man City. I like how you but... said they got fined $10 million for not cheating. <laughs> they got Yeah, they did. Jose Mourinho said it spot on. He's like he's – like, if they if, if they weren't in the wrong, then why did they pay ten million dollars? Yep. Because we know they paid another like twenty five or thirty for the how many lawyers did they get? Psalm thirteen. Yeah, I think I think the the thirteen lawyers are to sue the the uh, was the it UEFA? Bust. Yeah, or just like for the oh they said God. for the next ten what years. <laughs> That's what, what the, an absolute joke. The headline, I but read. yeah, <laughs> going back to the question, definitely Milan Skriniar. He's the and center back that we need. If Conte does walk out of Inter, that could mean that he might be like, screw staying here. I don't know who's coming next. Yeah. Mm, okay. Well, let's. Why, why does he want out of Inter, man? Is he just. Does he just. Is this what he does? Does he throw hissy fits wherever he, he goes? Because he's man. had it pretty good there. Everyone I he's asked so for, too. he's got. I thought so too. He I'm wanted not Lukaku. Sure. He got Lukaku. Lotaro's staying. He wanted Ericsson. He, he got wanted Victor. He got his wing backs. Yeah. I don't understand what he why he's leaving. He Best. has probably the deepest center back uh, core in in all of Europe. I mean, they go four or five center backs deep. I don't know. Yeah. It's weird. And they had their highest points total since the last time they won the league. Like only that Juve is Juve, Juve at the moment. But yeah, I I'm not sure. And apparently he had a three year plan, so he's already bailing after year one. It's Conte, man. I don't know. He's an emotional get another guy. job after this. You can't depend on the guy. That's true. You won't right. stick around. We got a cool uh, little hypothetical here. This one's from at Skullbash. Interesting name. A little bit scary, but uh, he asks, so assuming they cost the same price, which one would you take? Havertz, Rice, Tiaglifico, uh, Tagliafico, and uh, Onana, or... Rice, Chilwell, and Oblak. So, in other words, would you sacrifice Havertz for Oblak, knowing that Chelsea can't afford both in the same window, and considering the problems that we have on defense? Andreas, I'll start off with you. Option one, instantly, man. I, I don't want to give up on Havertz whatsoever. Like no I think he he has to come to. Like I I don't want to sacrifice Havertz for the defense because the money's there. Yeah. And how big, how big is the drop-off from Oblak to Onana? It's not as big as, the, the, you know... The, Depends the... on the longevity. Like, do you want to keep her for three years, or do you want to keep her that could potentially be here for six? Mm-hmm. But, uh, for, yeah. for, like, a, almost 80 million less. Yeah, for sure. And I think that, I mean, also, what my point is the gap between Onana and Oblak is 
not as big as what we would lose out on if we don't have Havertz, I think. And, and we just need a half-decent keeper. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Nick we Pope, just need I'm a guy so... who could stop the ball when it's kicked straight out. <laughs> That's not too <laughs> Is hard. Is it that hard? That's not too much to ask for. I'm still, I'm still on the Nick I have Pope's a keeper train, that plays honestly. for my U11s who, who, who can do that. He's <laughs> great. Uh, Costs nothing. He, he would, yeah, he, he'll go on a free. Uh, <laughs> you just got to pay his wages. But uh, all right, let's let's go on to the next one. This one's from Dylan at CFC Dylan. He said, yeah, he says, with Jorginho seemingly out and Dave probably taking a backseat role, who's the next captain for Chelsea? Oh, you guys know what I'm gonna say. For real, you Mason think Mount? he's ready? I'm I'm saying Mason Mount. You I think like he's him. ready today? I don't Tomorrow. think he's ready. I don't think he's ready today. <laughs> but listen, going into next week, uh, he has to be ready. Who else is gonna <laughs> captain us next week? Oh my God, we'll get. He, to he that. might give it so, a Rudy. I don't know, man. Someone on our U23s, because that's probably who we're fielding. <laughs> no kidding. I, I don't know. I honestly fear for the worst that if we don't sell Rudiger, give Emerson Palmieri the armband against oh, Bayern just for the. Uh... <laughs> Dude, just I, I'm banter. leaving this one just for the laughs. I'm leaving this one up for whoever we sign as our starting center back. Or keeper. I don't mind or, the keeper. Or keeper, captain. exactly. Yes. Keeper or I'm center down. back. Somebody vocal within the back five. That is I'm my just, pick. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go out there and say, um, when we were in the market for Keppa, we were also linked with Casper Schmeichel. I really wish that one would have happened. Because we would have we would have solved our leadership issue. But and our goalkeeper. The Schmeichel issue. deal is still ongoing. I think that's someone that we still have an opportunity to, to sneak in for, but who, who knows? I, I, I think that's a name that short we haven't. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I'm, I'm fine with that, a short-term solution. But anyway, let, let, let's go. Honestly, Nick Pope can be the captain for all yes, I Yes, Captain care. Nick Pope. Let's go. All right, so another question from Dylan. He says, uh, what's an ideal rest of the window? For me, it's Havertz, Rice, Regulon. Dunk or Jimenez and Onana or Ter Stegen, depending on if we sell Kepa. Never going to happen, but a man can dream. Yes, you can, Dylan. Uh, keep dreaming about Ter Stegen because that's, that's definitely not <laughs> happening. Zach, Zach, what's your ideal rest of the window? Realistically? Or or, or what I um, wake up to in the ideal. morning with a hard-on for? Ideal. Oh, ideal. Um, okay. Hard-on. The hard-on option. I, I, I think for sure... <laughs> Um, we need a goalkeeper, a left back, a center back, um, and Havertz. Um, so realistic options, probably going to say Declan Rice, Ben Chilwell, as much as it pains me to say it. And then Onana. I think, I think that'll be a success. Like if we, if we pick up Havertz, Rice, Onana and Chilwell, and that's our window and, and we don't purchase anyone else from there on now, that's an A plus. It's hard to argue against that. We addressed every issue that we had. And then we even sprinkled the cherry on top with the Havertz deal. Um, David Oliva, just say it. <laughs> yes, David Oliva is a center back. Please, God, please. No, I mean, I made that joke earlier about the left back signing because Regulon is now the latest person on our radar because we're growing frustrated with Lester. So for me, Havertz... Of course, I'm growing more and more into the idea of Declan Rice, even if it's just as a backup DM slash center back hybrid and covers both. Alaba, 
Uh, goalkeeper, I think we're gonna, we should just go the cheaper route. We after Tebow, we just don't know how to recruit for goalkeeper. And if Burnley, because well, we have Hilario solid... as our goalkeeper coach, <laughs> well, so if, our goalkeepers aren't getting better. If teams like Burnley can find people like Nick Pope, I think they had Heaton, Tom Heaton before, and these guys were all like below 15 million recruitments. Why can't we find like a diamond in the rough? So, I, I Ter Stegen ain't happening. The more I think of it, the less I think Oblak is happening too. So give me any goalkeeper. I'm not even putting a name on that. Alaba, Rice, Havertz. And then in terms of left back, I think, no. I think Tagliafico, based on how much money he would have, would be the final thing that we can afford. Because I I, regularly is fantastic. If Ajax is going to sell three players to us in one window. That's the only I, but, thing. But that, it's not even about us, though. They said they have the, the clause with all those guys before we were even linked again with Onana and Tagliafico. They said if the price comes, we said we, in good faith, would let them go. And and they they hold up to their promises, too. Give them – screw it. Give them um, Jorginho. Give them Emerson. Give them Kepa. Let's just swap deals. Swap – Can you imagine Jorginho playing in the Netherlands? It could work. I don't know. <laughs> uh, no, man. No <laughs> way. No, no. My th- my thing is, th- the only the only player that we mentioned that I still am unsure of is the Declan Rice deal because he hasn't played center back in. He played in once this season, one time. Yeah. So 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 like it's his natural position. Yeah, he played it in the youth, but I would feel a lot more comfortable knowing that. We are going after a center back that's proven, ready-made. You stick them right into the team, and it's an instant upgrade. I don't get that vibe with Declan Rice at all. And I think it could be, but it's, it's definite. <laughs> I know, man. I know. But listen, Andres, Alaba, Alaba as a center back, as appetizing as it is, I'd rather have him at a left as a left back. I would still take him over Ben Chilwell or anyone else you've been linked with at left back at this point. He'd be back in his natural position mm-hmm. on the left-hand side. Alaba would be a dream signing, man. Set pieces. Ugh, all God. of it. All, all of it. All of it. He could play. He could play CDM. He could play center back. Well, we talked. We talked uh, about okay. left back. We talked about keeper. We got a couple questions. One from Jimmy Bahama. One from uh, Timo at Tim Chelsea, and one from uh, the Ziek era at CFC Nisi. Um, they all pretty much asked the same question regarding, you know, goalkeeper, center back, and left back. So let's talk about center back real quick. Um, uh, the Ziyech era uh, adds that his opinion or his desired center back is Jimenez uh, from Atletico. Andreas, I know you might have uh, some issues with Jimenez um, coming on to for, as far as his fit for the team and his injury concerns, but yeah. what, what other center backs do you think would be um, – the best options for us i mean i wish there was more in the market that's the saddest part about that like yeah i i get that jimenez he's a big game player don't get me wrong like he is a good player those uruguayans are built the, the uruguayan center backs are built different dude yeah they he is a monster but he also doesn't stay healthy like this season, he only played 20 matches. Yeah. And we signed – we make really bad decisions when we sign guys who are coming off of injuries. Like, Emerson 
has yet to do anything. He's got one assist in <laughs> his Chelsea like career. He had like three weeks where he was the left back of the future, and then everybody was like, oh, and he's average the, after all. Right. And then Rudiger's been a roller coaster, and he came to us after an ACL injury. So center backs that, like, we already, like, you know how, for, we all love Ruben Loftus-Cheek, but it's been so hard to try to, like, even see the fruit of what his potential is because he can't stay healthy. If we go out and spend eighty million on a center back that can't even get on the pitch, it's just, it's just a lot. So in terms of who we could get at center back, I mean, again, not much to go for right now. What about Skriniar, man? Right, I don't again, understand why we're not linked with him. If if, if he if he's, I, a, I mean, his name's in the in the papers because he wants out. So it's yeah. obvious his agent's trying to make some noise. Why don't we rival Man City for a signing like that? Because, like, I mean, we're talking about ready-made center backs. Mm -hmm. If if we're going to look down the list of quality center backs that are on the market, he's probably number two or three behind Koulibaly, isn't he? I think he He, easily is. He's got to be. I mean, he's got to be. I just, again, I don't know. If you think about it, we're not linked to any player from Italy right now. And I don't know if the board is just – they just have a bad taste in their mouth because (laughs) Zabacosta, Emerson, Rudiger – Jorginho worked for, again, a very short period of time. So I don't know if, yeah, like Sam said, buyers remorse. Like Skriniar, Romagnoli, like there are center backs out there that are good enough. Now the question is, are those teams just going to be assholes because they know we have money? Because they might just be asking for too much knowing that what we require. Plus, yes, Skriniar can play in a back three and a back four. So I'm, I'm with you. He's, he makes a lot of sense. Yeah, and they have they have center backs to spare, as Zach mentioned earlier. Uh, in right, they're so deep at center back. It doesn't make sense I'll why take, they have so many center backs. I'll take their fifth best center back. Fuck it, it'll, it'll be, it'll be <laughs> an instant improvement. Their fifth best center back is Diego Godin. I'll take it. Oh in my god, yeah, even, I'll take an old, <laughs> d- old frail. Fifty-eight Diego years Godin. old, but he's still <laughs> balling. Tiago Silva on a free transfer is still out there too. <laughs> oh god, no. I'm okay with I don't that. Like that I'm okay with that. No, but... Sam, I don't like that one. That Listen, if we get, if we get Thiago Silva, that'll just be the icing on the cake. Then we'll officially have both center backs from the 7-1 shellacking in the World Cup. Oh so. man. <laughs> no, he wasn't there. They lost seven. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He injured. was on the bench. Yeah, oh, he was on the right. bench. Injured. Oh, or no, okay. Uh, okay. accumulated yellows or something. He All couldn't right, but... play. All right, but but in all seriousness, guys, he's like 36. Let's change the subject. Okay. All right, let, let's let's go to a, <laughs> let's go to the opposite direction. A young lad, Connor Gallagher. Uh, this one's from Ron, aka Bone Daddy Cool, aka Bone Daddy Deluxe, aka Bone Daddy Supreme. He says, uh, "Is is Con- uh, Connor Gallagher due for another loan spell?" Zach, what do you think? Uh, I wouldn't be opposed to it. I think our midfield has a lot of depth. And and if anything, we need to offload players, not bring more players in. You know, if Billy Gilmore does recover, and you know, we talk about a guy like Ampadu coming back, who I would prefer to have in the squad over a player like Connor Gallagher, just out of need and necessity. I think another one would do him well. But definitely somewhere in the Premier League. I did watch yep. the playoffs, and me and Andres were talking about it. I didn't realize how stocky he is. His body is ready for the Premier League, so. <laughs> He definitely needs a loan in the league, in the Premier League. I want to see him, you know, on the relegation side, um, playing week in and week out. Yeah, he's definitely a cam, and we he would that would make him fifth or sixth in the depth chart for those attacking eight positions. So no point in keeping him at all. He needs to go to a Premier League team and get a loan. 
And while I'm at it, I think Tino Andrian needs to do the exact same thing because the more we go into this attacking eights, the less he's going to get a chance to play here next season. So loan them out, do your homework and make sure that they're going to a place that will play them because that's something we're not consistent with. I heard maybe Bundesliga sides were even looking at him too. I take that because yeah. the Bundesliga does trust it the works. youth. Yeah, yeah, it works. Even if they like tempt them just enough to even sign them permanent, that just makes means that they'll play more and we control their future anyway. So, yeah, loan him out. Smart loan though. Don't go to Burnley where he's not going to get to do what he's Anything. good at. Well, Andres, he kind of mentioned something interesting. I just kind of want to throw it out there. Do you guys think yeah, I mean I'm getting I'm definitely getting the vibe all these new signings that are coming in the expectation and the goals that the club is setting the bar is just going to be set much much higher there's going to be a lot less playing time for these young players so would you be opposed to even some of the players within the squad now being considered for a loan I'm talking throw about me. guys throw like names possibly Tammy, like a Tammy a Kyle Tamori Tammy oh, Abraham Tamori Tamori if we're going to use again Declan Rice being a name that we are linked with if it means tomori going the other way and playing for west ham as a center back the whole season do it that's fine yeah how about tammy no no three strikers no tammy's not going more competitions i think i think andrin is definitely needs a loan i think ian matson if he's if he's not you know being considered as our as our second left back i think he should go on loan you know, depending on how Billy Gilmore comes back, you know, he is coming back from a knee injury and he doesn't have the experience or the size, you know, he to come ahead back of Jorginho, in. And, though. I, I don't see him leaving. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It, it depends on his injury. If he comes back and he's not 100%, I don't want him, you know, in and around the squad just getting his fitness. I want him, you know, get his fitness here. Send him all alone for a half season or something like that. Let him get his feet back under him and we get up and running again. I know that's super controversial to say, but we have to nurture like the young players and the injuries and whatnot. So I wouldn't be 100% against it. Only if I knew there were guarantees that he was playing week in and week out. But he's definitely good enough to be with us. You know, I, I, I just recently finished my first season on manager mode at <laughs> FIFA. And it's like the beginning of next season – uh all of the the loanees coming back and i'm like oh oh no bakioko's back oh, oh no kennedy zapacosta oh, yeah Murata. i mean drink water like all these names are like why why are they still on our team but uh but uh, like i think most if not all those guys will be either loaned out again or sold I mean, we we haven't even talked about Bakioko in so long. I have no idea what he's <laughs> up to. We know what Danny Drinkwater's up to. He's out in Mykonos trying to recruit uh, Chilwell. Chilwell. Yeah, he is. Earn- Danny Drinkwater's in Mykonos every other week. <laughs> he's earning that 100K a week's uh, wage. 200. He, he doesn't make 200K a he's week. He's on stupid money. This is Chelsea. It's, I think it's 100K. 200K would be... Oh, it's only making a hundred thousand. I didn't. I, now that I think about Fucking it, asshole. yeah, that, that's making a hundred thousand a week. Two hundred thousand would be. That would make him one of the top paid players in the Premier League. That would be. That would be even worse. But I. Ron also wanted to follow up with another question. He says uh, on Cho, in all the press conferences, Frank seems to mention that he needs to keep working hard at training. Now, does this mean that he's really not putting a hundred and ten percent at training? Or is this Frank's way of motivating him by calling him out with 
uh, Pedro and Willian out. He needs to step up. Hashtag rep ultras. Uh, Andreas, what, what do you think it is with Cho? Oh, man. I'm hoping that it's the injury side of things. I like his growth within Chelsea has been so weird and how his role has changed. I think this next season, for different reasons, a few players are going to be in the hot seat. I think Cho is going to be in the hot seat because William leaves. He is option number three right now because Ziyech is coming in. Like, this is a make-or-break year for him in terms of how he carries himself professionally. Can he stay healthy? And just if can he get good output? Because 2020 started, he was making his way into the team, got hurt. Then he got coronavirus. Then during thing, he got in trouble. Like, there, there's always a reason for him to be in the headline, both good or bad. And I just want somebody to, like, be like, hey, man, let's just stay quiet and let our playing do the talking and go from there. I think that's what Frank is trying to say, though. Right, I think, right. Yeah. I mean, Frank's Frank's famously done this to almost every other youth player in the team. He did this with Tomori when, when he first dropped Tomori. And we haven't seen him since, so there hasn't been a response on that end. We saw it with Tammy Abraham, there was a response. We're seeing it now more and more with Mason Mount. Frank says he needs to add more goals, and we're seeing Mason Mount be a little bit more aggressive. It's it's the same exact situation here with Cho. Um, you know, Andres, the injury, the, you know, the sideline shenanigans, everything that's kind of going on in the background, you have to remember he's 19. So more than anything, he just needs some guidance as, as to how, how do you get your feet back on the ground if you're Cho, right? And I think that's what Frank's trying to do here. He's saying, just break it down to the bare bones. It's, it's, it's just football. And I think you just have to focus on only the football to, you know, kind of get over this little mini slump. But I will say this, the last couple of times we did see Cho, he's moving a lot better. He looks more comfortable taking contact. So I think it's starting to come back to him little by little. Maybe this is just the extra push. All right. Uh, let's move on to a question from Willie Westside uh, at not Willie B. He says, should we move Zuma to CDM and bring in a new center back? Yes or yes. And that's, <laughs> that is not a typo. Zuma to center, center defensive mid. Not, he won an <laughs> FA Cup title playing center defensive mid. This is a, as Mourinho as it gets. It's never going to happen under Lampard. And it's Question not a from at Jose Mourinho Fan Club asks. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I know Willie and he does love Mo. So. Yeah. No, look, uh, this is the one. I said it last week too. Zuma's the one center back that I don't want to sell. Like I, I agree. If if I could keep one of them, I would keep him. So it would be very concerning if if we moved Zuma at all. I I really like to keep him, but at the same time, if you, I mean market value wise, we could get a pretty significant fee for him. So mm-hmm. all right, well, let's wrap let's wrap up with a, a question from Nick Lenartson. Uh, wow, he, Nick, yeah. first time, <laughs> first time listener along. <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Uh, Nick Lenartson asks Nick Pope or Casper Schmeichel. I, I already said my, my take on Nick Pope. I, I would be really happy if he was our starting goalkeeper for the next couple of years. And and I mentioned before that he's a little bit higher in age. I think he's 28 years old. But after a little bit more time to think about it, like... Goalkeepers peak in their early 30s. Exactly, yeah. I mean, like... I, I, and we don't a bad... have a... 
and we don't have a captain. <laughs> yeah, it was it was a bad take in my opinion. So I'm gonna go back on that. And I think that we could, you know, he could he could be a serviceable keeper for the next five years. More. I think minimum. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So and I and I also think if we're unable to sell Keppa, bringing him in for competition could could help Keppa a little bit. I I don't know if that's necessarily the case. <laughs> But I really do think that something like that, because like, cause like we said, uh, Hilario is not doing anything to uh, to help us out. So in, in like improving our keepers. So who knows? Maybe he, some competition would do something like that. I think Hilario just likes to be part of the coaching staff so he could collect all those cool track suits. Yeah, <laughs> they are cool track suits. Andreas, they're really nice. Yeah. Who, who do you wait, wait? Wait, Zach. Who would you pick though? Nick Pope or Casper Schmeichel? If we're going long term, the obvious one is Nick Pope. But I wouldn't mind the approach for Chelsea to be a little patient, buy someone short term, and then in three or four years' time, when you identify the perfect target, go after that. So, um, I'm I'm gonna say Nick Pope though. I think I think he's more um, you know, he's ready made, um, and he's a little bit younger, and we could use him as a stopgap, but it wouldn't surprise anybody if he held down the number one spot. Yeah, it's Nick Pope for me. All right, Schmeichel, let's be real, guys. Lester got fifth place. They're not going to give up Schmeichel. They've already yeah. <laughs> they've already sold plenty does. If they're holding tight to Ben Chilwell, who their fans even have mixed feelings with, like imagine one of their like mainstays. No, it's it's Nick Pope. Even if yeah. even if Schmeichel was in the in the running. I'd still go Nick Pope, second in the Schmeichel's league in, in gold too. in golden in uh, saves. I mean in uh, clean sheets. Gosh, yeah. I can't even think. I think that I'm officially on the Nick Pope train. I'm all for it. Let's bring him in. Uh, all right, let's let's move on to our final section. And this one, I guarantee, will not be long. Very much like our chances against Bayern in the first place. Uh, so bottom line. We're fucked. I mean, I think that's as easy as we can say <laughs> it. Like, uh, it's gonna be a U23 squad preview. Um, we have we have Marcus Alonso and Jorginho both out on suspension. Pulisic, Dave, uh, Willian, RLC. RLC, and Pedro all injured. Um, it, it really doesn't make any sense to to see anyone starting. Who I mean. Maybe a Mason Mount to get, you know. You gotta have some pride. Yeah, but Frank has pride. He's not gonna put out a weak team. I don't think he's gonna necessarily put out a super weak team. But I don't he'll think he's gonna. He doesn't have an option. Yeah. He's not going. He's not going out to. He's he's not setting out to give the young players a go in this game. Like he's setting out to actually try to get a result with what he has. Ugh. Is Cho a guaranteed start? I hope so. He better be. I think I mean, he has to be. We don't have any other wingers. Like, yeah, he has to be. Not, like, we don't even have Loftus-Cheek to fill in on the wing. No, no, dude. This is the worst timing for this game. Like, we just saw Aspie and Pulisic go down with hamstrings, which are commonly related to fatigue. Do we really want to put Mount out there who's going to give it 120% for a lost you know cost of a match? Like, you know he's going Yeah, to. it's not like, worth it. Dude, I say, like, at, like Christensen, Rudiger, center back pairing – doesn't matter who's at keeper. Bring in Hell, Tomori. Emerson. Bring in Tomori. Oh fuck. Yeah, yeah. bring in Tomori. Tomori's in for sure. I think Tomori's in for sure. Okay, let's say we play three at the back. Then don't play Zuma. 
three at the back don't play Zuma. Then who? Wait, Either, who would the three be? Rudiger, Christensen, oh. and Tomori. Okay. Then your yeah. wing backs, screw it. Reese James and Alonzo, or heck, even Emerson. Alonzo, Alonzo has to be suspended. Oh, yeah. Alonzo suspended. So Emerson. So Emerson on the left, James yes. on the right. You have two midfielders in the middle. Jorginho's going to play because, hey, he might not even be in the plans for next season. Uh, I think Jorginho's suspended to... too. Shoot, you're right. <laughs> dude, it's going to be. It's gonna, honestly, I'm telling you, it is Kovacic make, Ross it is Barkley. So Ross Barkley and Kovacic in midfield. Ross Barkley is our hope. He's going to net five. He's going to net five. Tammy is a striker. <laughs> Cho is one of the wingers. And I guess you have to play Mount as the other winger. There's your starting 11. Call me crazy. Tito Andrew. That might be it. Tito Andrew debut. Senior debut. I'm down. Tito against Bayern Munich. <laughs> Tito Andrew on the left. Cho on the right. And and Matson as a left wing back, dude. Oh. Just, just, just go, dude. I hope we see I that. Um, that. I would be fine I hope, with that. I hope we see that. Uh, what the is he? The right wing back, the Faustino guy? No, 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 no. No, no, no. No, that's oh, Faustino. Broja? The striker? Yeah, Broja. Broja. Yeah, I like him. I'd rather I really put Cammy like in there and just force him to play against good quality players. Or we could see Broja since the game doesn't matter anyways. Exactly. And you said <laughs> it could not have been worse timing, Andreas. Let's be real. Like, timing had nothing to do with it. We had we stood no chance no matter what. It would have uh, taken the whole magic of the 2012 Champions League <laughs> run just for this result. Just it would have taken run. Just it would have taken Frank and Peter Cech suiting up for very last time. Why not? <laughs> Yeah, they, they should, but... Turn back the clock, boys. Let's go. We didn't even talk about this RLC injury because it was the other Achilles. Oh, my God, man. I, I'm so worried about this guy. He's really giving me nerves. Me he, just cannot, he cannot stay Drew. healthy. He's a little injury prone, isn't he? Just a little, yeah. You, 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 you kind of hate to say great analysis, He's always had back problems growing up, too. Because his body oh, should not be playing soccer at the he, speed and agility that he is. He has the body of Anthony Joshua, and he's like, and he's playing soccer, and and in a very like fluid way. I, yeah, it's it's scary. Yeah. I hope he can just. I hope Lampard just doesn't even try till September with him. Like, I do think, and this is getting off topic, but that again, I mentioned Cho being in the hot seat. RLC is in the hot seat. Just it's. This because is their last health. season to prove themselves. Just, just because of his health, I think Cho is in the hot seat because at one point or another, you can't continue to to have a spot for a guy for what he can be when at that point he's going to be like 25 or 26 and hasn't completed a single season of senior football. Yeah. Well, but hey, I guys, mean, we made top four. Woo! Yeah, well, we, yeah, we did make top four, but we also lost the cup final. But that kind of rounds off <laughs> our season, right? It's like polar opposites. Like we would – there's so many things to be positive about. But at the same time, there's been some you know, hiccups along the way. But we will talk about that more in our season review pod, won't we? Yep. Yep. But so much, much happier tone then. Yes, there will be a much happier tone. But anyways, that does bring us to the end of the episode. Guys, we got through it. I was really dreading this, but it's over. And we never, ever have to mention it again. So until next week, keep the blue flag flying high.